Hello everyone, this is Anna and welcome to the second mini episode of Anapologetic. Um, today I have a special guest and she can introduce herself now. <laughs> yes, I, uh, my name is uh, Berfin Yurdakul. I think, um, well, I've been teaching uh, to some of you. I'm uh, actually an anthropologist. I uh, studied anthropology at the UVA, uh, both my bachelor's and my master's, and then I started working at the Department of Sociology as a research assistant, but also as a, what do you call it, a junior lecturer. And uh, currently I'm also working as a lecturer at uh, Utrecht University, where I also uh, supervise uh, students of the master program there, and uh, as a researcher at the Erasmus Medical Center, uh, where I research uh, health inequalities in uh, Rotterdam particularly. So uh, yeah, I'm a product of the UVA, but I'm, <laughs> I'm outside UVA right now. Um, yeah, that's basically how we got to know you and I think in one of your tutorials or something you mentioned your thesis and then Maya, the editor here, she mentioned it again and I was like, oh, that's super interesting, we need to, <laughs> we need to do an episode on that. Um, so, yeah, for everyone that didn't read the thesis, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, you can introduce Yeah, yourself. I can introduce my, uh, <laughs> my own thesis. I uh, research actually the relation between um, beauty ideals and ideas about race in London. It was in 2018 and I yeah, conducted a field work. It was an ethnography in different hair salons. Um, yeah, where I mostly, why I actually only use qualitative methods to kind of research this phenomenon. Yeah. And why did you kind of choose that topic or what was it that appealed to you about it? Um, different things i think in the first place it was just like all the interactions that i've ever had in my entire life and that i've seen like when we talk about bodies and desirability and attraction we uh, talk a lot consciously and subconsciously i think about race so oh, i really like that or that person really looks like this or we kind of use that a lot and we see it as like something natural and also something that is maybe even not problematic and also just like factual you know like oh yeah this kind of people look like that and that's beautiful mm -hmm. um and i just really uh wanted to research that um but i also just i'm like as study as studying as an anthropology student i was also really fascinated by we talk about human behavior and we talk about all these um structures and stuff like that but at the same time as human beings it depends on how you approach it, but we are bodies or we carry our bodies with us. So I also just really want to kind of research that, you know, like what, what do these bodies mean and what do we do with our bodies and what do we also attach to it? So, yeah. Right. So it's very like um, kind of coming together between our very like physical self and yeah. like more like, I guess, imaginary ideas we have about those yeah. selves. Yeah. Right. So then, like a critical concept, I guess, of the research is that idea of like racialized beauty. Mm -hmm. When I before I read it, I was a little bit like, it was hard for me to picture what a racialized yeah. beauty yeah. kind of is. So maybe you can <laughs> explain it. I mean, it is very clear in the thesis, but for people, yeah, I yeah, mean. yeah. So I think I, I, it's a bit difficult to explain because I think that all beauty is racialized because um bodies are racialized and bodies are gendered which means that 
if we think about the human body uh, in our world nowadays, like these ideas about race, about gender, about class, you know, are kind of ingrained in our body and also in how we categorize and value certain bodies. So I would actually say all beauty is racialized. But to make that explicit, um, I, I decided indeed to focus on this concept of indeed racialized beauty standards, like arts and stuff like that, but in a different way. Right. So... We talk about this a lot in sociology, how mm-hmm. race is a social construct. So we have these like ideas of race and there are certain parts of the body or ways of that the body look that we ascribe to each race. Yes. And then we put, yeah, so, I mean, of course, uh, it's like a little bit like cheating, but what did you find in your <laughs> research? <laughs> what is beautiful according to people? Yeah, what is beautiful according to people? Well, um, what I like the thing that I saw the most in my research, and I think it's also very visible on like Instagram and all that kind of stuff, is this idea of uh, they would either call it mixed race a lot of times, but also like um, like the term, it is also very feminized, like the term Latina was, was mm. mentioned a lot. And um, the interesting thing is that people talk about the look, but they also talk about the category. So they're really much used. It can be a look that can basically be ascribed to anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it was a very specific look. It was, as I said, it was quite feminized because uh, it's also interesting. Like if you talk about beauty, people tend to talk about female bodies uh, Mm -hmm. actually deeper and be like, okay, but you're only talking, you know, about female bodies and stuff like that. They would say like for men, it was racialized in a different way in the sense that it wasn't necessarily so specific, like Mm. these body parts weren't pointed out so specifically. Um, But for example, some people would say like, yeah, no one wants to date a white guy because that's boring. So you also really saw like how, for example, um, in this case, black bodies were like hypersexualized. At the same time, they were also seen as more dangerous, but that usually goes hand in hand. Mm. Um, But that's what I like the thing that I mentioned at first, like it was in the first place really about like female body and Mm. certain body parts that we ascribe to as per definition like mixed race yeah because they didn't say indigenous people they no. said latinos <laughs> yeah so latino is historically just like a lot of mixing yeah so yeah i thought that was also yeah, interesting. that's uh, true but then then again people do use that at the same time as a different category because mm-hmm. then the fact that it's latin like you're so right but the fact that it's latin also for some people adds like an extra layer of how they would call it spice to it yeah um yeah but it's also funny <laughs> because there are latinas that are white so yeah so <laughs> it makes yeah, like you know every yeah. every category is just like everywhere you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, um, and that's also what i found out like it's also about ideas about categories mm. so it's not only about looks and how we ascribe looks to categories it's also how categories in itself gain a certain meaning in mm-hmm. And world. also, I guess what you were saying that, um, I guess this is kind of another point we were talking about before, how it has to be that part of the body, but also with that category. Yeah. Because if it's like, if you're Latina, but you don't have, uh, I don't know, like a tan skin. Yeah. Then it, it doesn't work. Exactly. Or if you have a tan skin, <laughs> but you're not Latina or whatever. Yeah. Mm, also doesn't work yeah so yeah definitely definitely because i remember it was like one person in one of the salons and she was very explicit about this and then i would for example ask her but you know what if someone looks like that but this person has like 
I don't know, Indian heritage. And she was like, no, 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 that's not beautiful. <sighs> so super problematic. So it's indeed really about the right category, the right look. And then you can also kind of mix and match as in like, maybe you can have the right, because the thing is also, if you have the right category and people know that they will also read your body differently. Mm. Because for example, if you have the right looks, but the wrong category, they can also tell you, oh no, but you look Latina. Mm, okay. So they would dismiss the category that you would ascribe to yourself or that society actually puts you mm. in. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, really interesting because I feel so as much as we can ascribe identities to ourselves, mm-hmm. people will read us however they will. Yeah. You know, so yeah, but I guess that's another topic of identity <laughs> and like a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, so we see this kind of like aspiration to uh, or like finding mixed race more beautiful mm-hmm. but then I think the next question is like you know so what like why does it matter that people <laughs> find mixed race more beautiful um, and you, you talk about these hierarchies yeah because you know finding something beautiful means that there's something else that is not as exactly. beautiful <laughs> so that's the problem then yeah and um, that's also why this topic really fascinated me because if we talk you know the way in which we conceptualize beauty is also a lot of times like oh it's in the eye of the beholder or it's just mm-hmm. a matter of taste but these things aren't just natural and out there and a lot of people think it really is and I also get why but um, yeah, so what? So what's the problem with that? Is because um, these ideas about the body and these categories are like highly informed by colonial history um, and also like quite more recent, like political and historical events. Um, because the thing is that if you say that certain categories are more or less beautiful, it also comes together with a lot of ideas as I mentioned like about hypersexuality um, so you really see that bodies that aren't seen as white are hypersexualized but also seen as more dangerous um, and at the same time because whiteness is read as like read as so normal as natural as the natural body um, the idea is that if you mix that you will get a perfect human being because mm. it's uh, slightly sexual uh, but not too dangerous, but also not boring. Um, and that's why it's problematic, but also because um, the fact that the thing that we were talking about, like the ideas that we have of these categories are also not um, uh, natural in the sense that the fact that people have this idea, for example, about Latina also comes from like a historical past in which yeah. Latin uh, women especially are portrayed in a specific uh, way. Mm-hmm. So, um all these things that we see as a matter of taste or just like, yeah, but I just find that beautiful. I'm just more attracted towards that really are informed by these historical, um, yeah, actually this, especially the historical past of colonialism. And it comes together with a hierarchy and this hierarchy also changes from context to context, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in a lot of, um, yeah, I I think a lot of researchers talk a lot about the the black-white dichotomy because that's the most, visible one and also the mo- the, the one that's like most alive I think mm-hmm. but um, what you also see is for example that within different contexts because they're like different uh, groups of people and that have a different history you also see like different readings so I think for example mm-hmm. also I don't know if it's like post 9-11 um, because I was too little to mm-hmm. <laughs> to say that but you also see that for example it, 
um, contemporary Islamophobia in Europe also really affects, for example, in the Netherlands, how mm. Turkish or Moroccan people are mm -hmm. read. Um, so, yeah, you really see this hierarchy where whiteness definitely is still at the top. But then if we talk about beauty, we talk maybe about a look that we don't necessarily attach to whiteness. But there needs to be some element and also um, a justification of the white, how do you say that, like, um, not like normalcy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I At the end, it's like who decides what's beautiful, and I th still think that's true to white gaze. Mm. All right, and I think, as yeah, as you're saying this, another, just we're talking about this how um, unquestioned and uncriticized this idea of taste is. Yeah, to the point that like we see it in like dating apps right now that you can like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with like you know zero problem just put like what kind of phrase you want to yeah date. yeah and also we were talking before this um mixing of like oh kind of the best of both worlds yes um i guess as you were writing this was when the national geographic issue came out I yeah if it was right then or before of like what america in 2050 would look like yeah and um yeah, you were saying it's not as easy as just like putting everyone in the same city and then mixed race. You no. Know? <laughs> like clearly people still act according to what they think is more similar to them. Yeah. Or... Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of things are happening here. Um, I think also because then we also go to something that we also discussed previously. It's about how race is a social construct, but also like super much um biologized and that mm. doesn't mean that um it's like a biological fact like not at all but um it is really about uh, uh the body and what mm -hmm. bodies look like mm -hmm. and we constantly modify these bodies as well that's true but um you cannot only look at how these categories are like socially constructed i think we also really have to research like how we kind of make it things that are really in the body and i think that's also something uh, that you see with like the National Geographic uh, issue that is like a specific look uh, at the same time like we're all if we stick to the categories that we have nowadays of race like if you look at history like we're all um, mixed race in that sense but we don't mean that you know we mean it mm. with the categories that we have mm -hmm. nowadays and that are alive but at the same time you also see when you look at research uh, about dating you see that people date people that are quite similar to them like mm. even if it's like uh, age class stuff like yeah. that so then you can also ask yourself like is it really that we're becoming um i don't want to say open-minded but a lot of people used it as a way to describe their own open-mindedness mm. like i like mixed race because yeah. you know i'm such a cosmopolitan uh and i think also a lot of people think they like something because they just want to be this cosmopolitan person at the same time i think also if you look around yourself like most of your friends probably kind of look like you mm -hmm. um uh, within their position in society but also probably a lot of times also in terms of physical appearance so it's not as yeah it's not as yeah as easy as that it looks like to right. a lot of people like no. oh we're just all going to be mixed and the race will disappear because that's yeah. also how people use it, mm -hmm. which is also problematic because then again, you want to dismiss a lot of uh, lived realities for yeah. especially people of color. Mm -hmm. And again, I guess this goes back a little bit. Uh, another important point was uh, that of uh, na naturalness. Yeah. So even uh, above the idea of um, 
what is beautiful it has to be effortless and yeah. just like kind of coming from within you and yeah. so on uh, but that is there was like a double standard right like yeah. you need to be natural but still like only some people can be natural in this way right? yeah um, yeah so this idea of naturalness it was so interesting because the thing is that it was also kind of new to me in the sense that when I was doing this research I actually knew it, like, because I also live in this world, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, like, I, I didn't focus on that that much, and it it was, like, this idea, it was also super classist, like, this idea of naturalness mm. as, like, eco-friendly and using products that are come from, like, natural products, etc. Um, but at the same time, it also really had to do, indeed, that beauty comes from within, and I think that's also something that we hear a lot, so it really also has to do with seeing beauty as the good, Mm-hmm. And that also, again, is a problematic if you look at racialized beauty because certain bodies and people then actually become bad, yeah. you know? Um, so beauty is really seen as like the good, so the goodness of within you comes out, but also then um, that naturalness, as in like if it even... It doesn't even have to be effortless, but like this idea of effortlessness was like highly appreciated. But then at the same time, also naturalness was appreciated on certain bodies, but not on others, for example. Mm. Like, um, as people would call it, like natural black hair isn't, wasn't seen as, as, as good as certain other types of natural hair. So you also see the hierarchy there. But also, for example, I think Kylie Jenner is, a, is also a perfect example of like the modification of um, trying to look like look like this idea of mixed race and I also said that a lot of people in my research like how for example fuller lips uh, are, are seen as beautiful than on on wider bodies but then if it's on a black body it's not as beautiful anymore so it's also conflicting because you have this idea of naturalness that's so important but then again you see this inequality because for some people naturalness can their own natural body to say it like that can never be seen as beautiful so they either feel in being natural or they feel in being beautiful. So right. there's, yeah. yeah. Well, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And you mentioned Kylie Jenner. And I think um, in the thesis as well, there were very, a bunch of mentions of um, pop culture icons yeah. that also inform like kind of like how the stereotypes of beauty are amongst them. Well, uh, Kim Kardashian, right? Yeah. And yeah. Like the, that whole family. <laughs> yeah. So the Kardashians basically yeah. as a whole. Yeah. Um, and that they, they really do picture that idea of like racial ambiguity. Yeah. Um, even I was thinking of more like um, very recent examples in TV like Euphoria. So Zendaya yeah. is also very light skinned even though she's like a person of color. But also, you know, very ambiguous like what race you would ascribe to her. Yeah. Um, and I think those are the things that at least, like, you know, just people watching TV right now as might aspire to be, like, just being yeah. like, yes, and they is beautiful. Yeah. Now I want to get either tanned because yeah. I'm not tanned <laughs> enough or bleach my skin. Yeah, so it's, yeah, like, yeah. Um, yeah, lighter. Um, yeah. Yeah, there were other examples, like the new Gossip Girl season. Yeah, which, also, yeah. Um, which is, I don't know, I just thought, like, this makes the species even more, like... Um, I mean, really still holding, you know? Like yeah, the idea definitely. That, yeah. Um, it is something we see, and, and I feel that some, sometimes people are like, but why does it matter, you know, if, like, I only see light-skinned people on TV? But, well, we had another episode on representation, but representation yeah. really does make a difference. Yeah. 
and I guess also that it does also like um, reinforce what we think it's uh, beautiful and all everything we've been talking about. Yeah, so far, yeah, yeah. Attraction. And I also think what is an unintended consequence of this, and I, I think we see this a lot in pop culture and also in social media a lot, is that then um, in discussions about representation, I think especially uh, women and women of color um, are a lot of times seen as white passing. But mm -hmm. I think that's because uh, the standard for whiteness is like shifting away because uh, as we were talking about, for example, Kylie Jenner, um, because white bodies are... Um, red as uh, this is not what I think but like red as mm -hmm. as boring and natural you see that people modify their their body to look like this mixed race or Latina blah, blah, idea but because of that people that naturally look like that are seen as oh but you're white passing but they are mm -hmm. living with the consequences of not being a white person so mm -hmm. you also see this weird thing happening and also i think in relation to this discussion of representation like who's representing who and who is right now then how do you say that like um i know which point <laughs> maybe, but i don't know how to go there i think that's also uh becoming problematic and that's also again why this is a problem mm -hmm. no for for sure because we did mention like the um, idea of only it's not just the right body part is with the right label and it's kind of still like on the more like like a clear double standard yeah. for those that like are white and exoticizing their bodies or uh not white and then still like de exoticizing uh, their bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um I guess we can go a little bit more towards like more the methodology mm -hmm. of writing these. Um so it was an ethnography. Yeah. Um I don't know. I guess, yeah. Why did you choose? Well, I guess for anthropologists, different sociology. <laughs> you have no other choice. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> for us, I guess, ethnography is so cool, but also, like, not what do we do. Yeah. So, um, no, but I did ask you, why did you choose uh, the UK rather than Amsterdam? Yeah. Or yeah, I can also, like, tell you about ethnography, like, briefly. Like, obviously, mm -hmm. because I, I studied anthropology, like, the thing that we do, like, our ethnography so yeah mm -hmm. uh, but I think also with topics like this you also really want to jump into these everyday lived realities and I don't think there's a better way of doing mm -hmm. that than um, yeah really dive into the world so in this case in the world of these hair salons and the people that work there the people that come there because for example like I got most of my data actually out of the fact that people would say something but do the other thing mm. uh, but would look like a certain thing and you only can put those things together by doing an ethnography because if I would only do an interview my only data would be like all oh, people like mixed race mm. you know I, <laughs> so it was also like combining all these little parts together where you really see that so I think that's why ethnographies are like super fruitful and I think they also should be done more within sociology mm. um, so if you ever have a chance to do that <laughs> please do so but why the UK um, so well I'm from Amsterdam uh, <laughs> and uh, I was also thinking about doing this in the Netherlands for example but first things first I really wanted to do this in uh, the European context because um, I mean probably you also have seen this while studying sociology like race in European context is really not something that is focused on a lot um, and I really wanted to research that because a lot of times in like everyday language we talk about ethnicity or culture but 
what's actually the difference between that and our ideas about race? Like there are differences at the same time they're used inter they're used interchangeably. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to go to a place also like um, well research wise that was doable, so where I could speak the native language mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So in that sense, I came up with the UK, and I also really liked the idea of researching this in like urban spaces mm-hmm. where people profile is like super open-minded mm. blah, 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 because everyone lives there so that's why i also chose london and not um you know another place in the uk but also because i think uh if we look at this colonial history and um uh, the countries with like this this kind of history i think uk was also an interesting place because that's how people described it there in my research as well like where it's not this super explicit idea about race such as in the us for example but also not this taboo on race at the same time that uh, that's present, especially in Western Europe, I think, nowadays. So I think that also made it a nice place to um, to research that. But it had several reasons, yeah. yeah. If you think about it, like in France, you can't even ask about race. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah, yeah. It really matters, the context, yeah. I guess. Um, well, there are some of the problems, maybe, that you're running to uh, doing the um, research different problems so one of my own problems was that i was as i said like i really want to focus on race because i think that should be done way more um also explicitly because obviously like race has to do with Mm -hmm. ideas about class and gender as well but we tend to go away from race like way too much i think sometimes but then you also overlook a lot of stuff so for example this a chapter of naturalness my supervisors thought that that was my best chapter because i really showed all these different elements um, but because I was like so like focused on this race part, I um, yeah I kind of had this issue. But um, at the same time, like another issue was also that if you do an ethnography or research in general, but I think especially an ethnography, and you're stepping in with your body mm-hmm. and you're researching bodies, uh, your body also becomes an object of research mm-hmm. and. Well, I think research is never uh, objective or neutral, but you also get questions then, you know, when people read their thesis, like, did people not just say this because they didn't want to hurt you, you know? Um, Well, I think you have research tools to make sure that that's not only the case, but obviously if you talk about bodies and you are a body (laughs) as well, you get this, also this weird dynamic, you know, and also the things that you ask, um... Uh, the, the way in which you behave, the way in which you're read, and also how you gain access, you know, because, for example, I gained access to one of the salons because they needed a hair model, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of hair. What if I didn't have a lot of hair, you yeah. know? <laughs> so, also, inter-access-wise, like, it, it really makes you think, you know, like, how do you gain access? And I was lucky that I did get that, but at the same time, when you're doing ethnography, also interviewing, I think, but especially with ethnographies, like people are just living their life. People think I'm, I just have an ordinary life. Uh, and then you come in and you're like, hey, I want to research you. And then people are like, you know, what the fuck are you going to research? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just cutting hair. Yeah. <laughs> so, <just> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so you also have to really be aware of that. And also that people then think they have their on a theater or something, you know, that they mm. have to behave a certain way. So yeah. you really have this challenge then to well this is something we talk about a lot in anthropology to really kind of blend in you know to also Mm. make people feel comfortable and not seeing you as a researcher anymore right um last question um (laughs) do you have any advice for people that are gonna be writing this yes definitely definitely um 
So this sounds like super red, well, not random, like super logic, like <laughs> do something you found super interesting because um, the thing is you're going to be working on this for a very long period, maybe even longer than you want to because you're not going to get a pass or anything. Like I don't want to demotivate <laughs> you, but you, you ha you're going to work on this a lot. And especially if you are, um, it can also really influence your career in the sense of, you know, if you want an academic career or something that's closely related to academia, uh, your thesis will always hunt you. So mm -hmm. um, if that's something you want, I think it's really important that you think about something that kind of, how would I say this, like kind of really shows your interest, but also that you want to be involved with for a very long period. But also really find yourself, um, you know, if you have the chance, like really find yourself a supervisor that uh, really also understands your way of thinking and working because you're going to work very closely with your supervisor. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it can also really much make your thesis, you know, if that's a very good connection. So also really spend some time on that because all supervisors are also different uh, and someone can be specialized in a topic that you find interesting. But that's not always enough. So also try to uh, really look into that, you know, like, do we think in the same way about this? And can we really uh, work together on this? And let me see if I have another tip. Oh, yeah. Don't make it too hard for yourself, because I think because I also was a lecturer over here. Uh, I think a lot of people are interested in so many things mm -hmm. and they want to combine it in one research. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, as sociologists, we know that everything is uh, related to each other, etc. Yeah. At the same time, you know, you have one thesis and it's like not the biggest project of your life. So also feel free to keep it quite small, because that's also super interesting. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people think like, I have to make it as big as possible yeah, because like this grand yeah, like I, I want to do like gender and class and then Foucault and then this <laughs> and that. And that's all super interesting. At the same time, you can make your life difficult for no reason. Mm -hmm. So also feel free to keep it like super small because then you probably will get a better thesis as well. And it's also more fun because you can really go into the, well, this is super anthropology-like, but you can really go into the details that tell you the most, actually. Right. All right. That's, I think, super helpful advice. And again, thank you so much for coming and talking about this. I think it's super interesting and, well, um, yeah, thank yeah. you. Also, thank you uh, yeah, for inviting me and for listening. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, I hope people like this because, yeah. And maybe give you some ideas to research further. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Thank you. And goodbye. Bye.